Good morning. Uh, as Scott said, uh, we were talking as elders back uh, in the office before service this morning, uh, as we do each week, and we pray together. And I was telling them that this past week has been a week of very early mornings and very late nights. And uh, for those of you that have teenagers, you know that the very late night part is their part. For those of us that are adults, the very early morning part is our part. So you put those two things together and it makes for very long days. But uh, I do bring you all greetings from uh, the National Youth Convention. For those that may not know, I serve as part of our National Youth Council uh, for IFCA. And our job is, uh, as part of that, is one of the things we do is plan and run the National Youth Convention. And this year we had almost 150 teenagers on the campus of Appalachian Bible College down in West Virginia who were being encouraged and equipped for ministry in their local churches and uh, got the opportunity to see uh, many uh, what we call ministry training areas where our young people are presenting musical numbers, preaching, doing apologetics presentations, um, different uh, gospel things as far as dramas and puppets and inspirational writing. We had a couple of young people that wrote very good tracks and uh, devotional books and things this year. And it was a very encouraging time for all of us. And Sarah and I, along with Tom who Human, who graciously drove our bus all the way down there and back and uh, slept on a dorm bed uh, during the week to do that for us. We appreciate him for that. I had the opportunity to take 14 of our teenagers down there with us. And uh, we got to uh, encourage each other that way as they presented their MTAs. And we had Dr. Granados, who is the president of Calvary University, as our speaker this year. And he challenged us from the book of Daniel. And uh, we had a great time of learning from God's word together, singing together as we do each Sunday here. And it was just a great time each day. And as part of what we do at the convention, we also have uh, athletic activities that happen. And uh, I wanted to just let you guys know that we had a group of very athletic young people this year. They won both the men's three-on-three tournament, the soccer tournament, as well as the volleyball tournament this year, something they've been working for for several years. There was always one church that always was just that little step bigger and better, and we finally got that this year, so they were excited about that as uh, part of what we did. But even in that, just being able to have the attitude of Christ as we, as we went through those tournaments and things, and we had a great group of kids, ours included this year, that really exemplified uh, the attitude of Christ through everything they did. And having the opportunity, uh, while in West Virginia, you have to go whitewater rafting, which we had the opportunity to do, and the guides from ABC do a great job of helping us to see God's creation uh, as we do that. Not just, not just the terror of going through Class 5 rapids, but as we stopped in several spots to be able to look around and realize that even as we are having a lot of fun, that God was faithful in his creation and is faithful to us today as we live our lives. And that was something that was just great for me Uh, to be reminded of even as it was for our young people as we sat on the river in a raft talking about the goodness of our God. And I would encourage you guys, if you have teens that didn't have the opportunity to go this year, that you would uh, have them come with us and be part of the MTAs because it's a great time that we have just encouraging and equipping our youth uh, for service in their church. So I just wanted to make sure to give you a quick overview. Uh, As we come back from convention, we don't have an opportunity to talk about that a whole lot. So I wanted to make sure to share with you 
a greeting and a quick summary of what we were up to for the past week. But as we now turn uh, to God's word this morning and to the message we have, let's uh, turn to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for the great week that we were able to have this week. And I know uh, the adults had a great week at their convention as well. And I just pray, Lord, that as we come back uh, from the youth convention, Lord, that those that were there, that we take the heart of the things that we learned. And even as we lead that into today, as we talk about faithfulness, Lord, that we would live a life that's faithful to you, that we would remember uh, that you are the one that controls each and everything that we do. And I just pray now, Lord, that as we come to this service this morning, that you would just allow uh, your, your words to be those that come through me, Lord, and that we would just have a great time this morning. We thank you for the time and song that we've had, the time of prayer that we've had already, Lord, and we just pray that uh, this time now would be a sweet fellowship as well to you. Just thank you so much for all that you've done and continue to do. In your son's name we pray. Amen. As Scott said, for the last uh, few years, I've been walking through the fruit of the Spirit uh, that we find in Galatians chapter 5. And that's going to be our launching pad today. We're going to be moving around as we look at God's faithfulness and the different things that we do. But I want to start there. And I want to reread what Scott read in our call to worship this morning because it's always good to hear uh, from God's word. So if you want to turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, uh, 22 and 23, if you had already closed your Bibles from our scripture reading this morning, this is where we're going to start today. And we're going to review uh, what the fruit of the Spirit is and a quick update on what we've already talked about and where we're going to be going today. So Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 say this. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. Over the past few years, we've been working our way through these different topics, these different pieces of fruit that we have that, that the Spirit gives us each and every day. And as we started, we talked about the unconditional love that we are to have for each other and following the example of Christ and that it was a choice that we make each and every day to love each other. It's not something that always comes naturally, but something that we make a choice every day to do. We talked about the fact that our joy comes from Christ. It's not a feeling based on our circumstances. It's not something that we have and don't have. It's something that is consistently there and something that we can have despite our circumstances if we allow the Spirit to be working in our lives. And when we talked about peace, we looked at John chapter 16, and we looked at the peace, at peace by seeing what the world brings, what Christ brings, and what we bring to the table. And what we realized was that the world will rob us of our peace if we let it. We found out that they will be the ones that will give us the anxiety, the stress, and the fear that we have. And we, found, we talked about the fact that if we're able to bring our fears and anxieties to Christ, we can leave it with him. And when we do that, we can have full confidence that he's going to bring that peace that we need in our lives each and every day. Even in those spots where we don't understand how that can happen, we know that he's going to be the one that can bring it to us. We talked about long-suffering, and we looked at what the different definition of that is and what a long-suffering God looks like and what it means to have long-suffering in our lives, that we are able to work through those struggles, work through those times that we have issues. 
As we talked about kindness, we talked about the fact that kindness is part of the very nature of God. We learned that if we're able to be kind, for us to be able to be kind, we have to have a spirit of kindness in all of our words and all of our deeds. It's something that each thing that we say and do each day needs to come from a spirit of kindness. And the last fruit we looked at was goodness. And we looked at Micah 6, 8 and realized that to live a life of goodness, we need to live justly, we need to love mercy, and we need to walk humbly with our God. And as we talk through these various different fruit that we have, the, the way that the Spirit works in our lives, it brings us to our next fruit, which is faithfulness. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. We're going to be studying the fruit of faithfulness. And as I was working through the getting our, my sermon ready for today, as I was looking for something that exhibited faithfulness in our lives, I found a story that came out of the earthquake that happened in Armenia in 1988. I know it's a long time ago, but it was such a great example that I, I, what I needed to talk about. There was, for those that don't know, there's an earthquake in Armenia back in 1998 that killed over 30,000 people. In that chaos, there was one man that made his way to his son's school. He found nothing there but rubble. And he knew that his son had been in class. While other parents stumbled around, not knowing what to do, crying, weeping, days, calling out to their children's names, but hearing nothing, this father ran to the back corner of the school where he knew his son's classroom was, and he started digging. He was digging through the rubble of the building that his son was in, looking for him inside of that classroom. For everyone else that was there, it seemed hopeless. How could his son have survived? The school had been leveled. But this father had made a promise to his son that he would always be there for him. So he, as he stood there, he started heaving rocks and digging and calling his son's name, saying, Armand, where are you? Are you here? Well-meaning people that were there, other parents that, and bystanders tried to pull him off the rocks, saying, it's too late, they're dead, there's nothing you can do. The fire chief tried to stop him, saying, letting him know there's gas leaks, there are things that are going to spark, there's fires going on, you need to get back and be safe. The police came, they're like, you're in shock, let us handle the things that we do. But this man continued to dig. Hour after hour, he just stood there digging and pulling rocks away from the rubble. And as he did that, hours stretched into the day turned into night, the night turned into the next day, and over a day later, when everyone else had given up hope, he called his son's name again and pulled back a large rock, and he heard his son's voice from down below. He said, Armand! And from under the rocks, he heard his son say, Dad, I told them, I told them you would come. I told them if you're still alive, you'd come to save me. Father helped his son and 13 other kids who had been inside of a pocket in that school. As a rubble came down inside that classroom, a pocket had formed because of the way that the rocks and the walls and everything fell, where they were able to stay alive. And that father, as he stood there, he dug and would not give up because he made that promise to his son. Pulled off that last rock and pulled all of the children that were in that classroom out. And there were 13 families, and plus his, that then had their children because he was faithful to the promise that he made to his son. And as we think about this faithfulness, as we look at this, this man 
in his faithfulness to his son is the exact type of faithfulness that we're going to be talking about today. And as we think about faithfulness, as we think about the idea that we're supposed to live a life of faithfulness, the first thing that we need to do is understand what that faithfulness actually is. And that's the first thing we're going to do. We're going to talk about the definition of faithfulness. In Zodiati's Complete Word Study Dictionary of the New Testament, it states that faithfulness is good faith, faithfulness, sincerity, being faithful, sincere, and having all good fidelity. Webster's New World Dictionary defines faithfulness as being faithful and maintaining an allegiance, constant, loyal, marked by or showing a strong sense of duty or responsibility, conscientious, accurate, accurate, reliable, and exact. That definition is a great definition of what it means to be faithful to something. But as I was looking, I found a definition on gotquestions.com that takes it a step farther because as Christians, as those that follow Christ, we know that faithfulness in and of itself can be to both good things and bad things. And if we're going to be faithful the way that God wants us to be faithful, there's another step. And this is the definition that I found that I really like that we're going to kind of unpack as we go through today. It says this, faithfulness is defined as steadfastness, constancy of, or allegiance. It is carefulness in keeping what we are entrusted with. It's the conviction that scriptures accurately reflect reality. Biblical faithfulness requires belief in what the Bible says about God his existence, his works, and his character. Faithfulness is believing that God is who he says he is and continuing in that belief despite the vagarities of life. It is taking the fact that we know this book is true. It is saying, you know what? What it says is true, and what God says about himself in this book is true. And as we, as we look at that, we understand, like the other fruit of the Spirit that we studied, that the type of faithfulness we see in Galatians chapter 5 can only come from the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in our lives is what gives us the ability to have the type of fruit that is described inside of this passage. And since we're made in the image of God, we can have a measure of each one of these fruit that are here. We can be faithful. We can be loving. We can be joyful. We can be kind. All of the things we've already discussed and the ones that we'll discuss when I have the opportunity to speak again, but to have them in the way that God wants us to have them and to have them in their fullness, we have to have the Spirit dwelling in us and doing that fruit bearing within us for us to be able to do that. And God desires for us to have a faithfulness that the Spirit gives to those of us that believe. But the Spirit, if the fruit of faithfulness comes from the Spirit, then it's an attribute of God. And since this is the case, that's where I want to start today. I want to start after we look at these definitions and see how does that look from God's perspective. What does God's faithfulness look like? And as we walk through these different parts of, of our study today, we're going to be moving around a lot. So get your thumbs ready. Be ready to be turning pages in your Bibles this morning as we work our way through. But we're going to start in the book of Psalms because as we look at God's character, the psalmists are those that give us a lot of great views of the character of God. And as I look at God's attributes shared through the book of Psalms, one of them that we see over and over again, and I want to look at a few places, is his faithfulness to us. And we're going to start in Psalm chapter 36. Psalm chapter 36, we're going to go to verse 5. Psalm 
Psalm 36, verse 5, it says this about the faithfulness of our Lord. It says, Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heaven and your faithfulness to the clouds. As the psalmist of that day would look into the sky, they would see the clouds way off in that distance, way up in the sky, and they would look at that, and they would look at this, and they would be looking at the fact that God's faithfulness is voluminous. It is huge. It is greater than amount of faithfulness than anything we can imagine because we can't touch the clouds. Now, maybe sometimes when you're in the mountains and they drop low, yes, we can do that. But when you look up in the sky and you see those clouds up there, it's not something that we can reach out and grab. And the psalmist is saying, the vastness of the sky, the vastness of our atmosphere and our universe, that's how much faithfulness our God has. And as we think about that idea, we think about God having unlimited faithfulness that's the kind of faithfulness he wants us to have he wants us to be so faithful to him to each other that it never runs out that we don't get to a point where we say you know what i'm done he wants us to have that faithfulness that reaches to the clouds that love that reaches to the heavens that's what he wants for each one of us Next place we want to look is Psalm 100, verse 5. We're going to be moving over to Psalm 100, verse 5. Not only is God's love endless in its amount, it's endless in the amount of time. Listen to what it says in Psalm 100, verse 5. It says, For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness is to all generations. You know what's great about this is that the Lord doesn't stop being faithful. There's not a time in history that we see where the Lord said, you know what, they're done. I'm not going to be faithful to them anymore. It goes for all generations. We see all the way back to the time of Adam and Eve, all the way up to now, and we know that for eternity future, God's going to be faithful because it's part of his very character. That's who God is. He is a faithful God. And as we look at that, as we watch him, as we see him, we can have confidence knowing that he is faithful. And we'll be talking about that a little more as we move on as well. But the idea of this, in Psalm 119.90 says the same thing. It says, your faithfulness endures to all generations. You've established the earth and it stands fast. There are so many times within the Psalms that we taught here about God's faithfulness from his creation to where we are now in his church to eternity future when we get to finally see him face to face. He is faithful to care for us. It's part of who he is. As we look in other places in scripture, we also see God being faithful. In Deuteronomy 32.4, it says, The rock, his word is perfect, for all his ways are just. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. The great part about faithfulness is that we saw the de dictionary definition and a more scriptural definition of what faithfulness is. We see a lot of words. We see words like consistent, sincere, reliable, loyal. As we look at Deuteronomy 32.4, that's what it's saying about God. God is a just God. His faithfulness is just. It has no iniquity. He's upright in the way that he is faithful. As we look at him, it's the perfect picture of what faithfulness needs to look like. 
He's not faithful to anger. He's not faithful to injustice. He's faithful in all his ways that are just and good, and no iniquity is found in him. And his faithfulness is that same way. If you could turn over with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we're going to be looking there at another passage from the New Testament that talks about this as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to be reading verse 9. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9. It says there, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. One of the ways for us that we need to be extremely thankful that God is faithful is that when Adam and Eve broke that relationship with him in the garden, he told Eve, I will send the one that will crush the enemy's head. And he was faithful to do that. In this verse, it talks about the fact that he was faithful to the point of having us fellowship with his son Christ. And as we think about that idea, we think about the fact that God was faithful to provide mankind with a way for us to have our relationship restored with him. Of all the ways that he is faithful to us, and all of them are important, that one is one of the most important that we have. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to make a way for us to be able to return to him, but he did. He was faithful to the promise that he made to Eve that day when he said, I will send the one that crushes the enemy. He said, he did that when we see Christ had come. And he calls us, he calls us when he makes that promise to be in fellowship with Christ because he's a faithful God, a faithful father that wants to have that relationship with his children, who we are. And he says, fellowship with my son, Put your trust in him. As you do that, I get to have that relationship with you again that I've wanted since I created you all those centuries ago. And he allows us that opportunity to do that. And as you think about this idea of God in his faithfulness, allowing us to have fellowship with Christ, and we talk about the idea of who Jesus is, and we look at that, obviously one of the things that we want to know is well, who is this one we're supposed to fellowship with? Is he as faithful as the Father is? For those of us that have put our faith and trust in Christ, we know that, yes, that is true. But there may be some that don't know that. And that's what we want to look at now is Jesus, the Son of God, is he as faithful as God the Father? And we look at that, and we look at what we, we can have in Christ. And we look back in that idea, in his faith, the Lord sent his son, and we see this perfect sacrifice. And as we read through the pages of scripture, we see Jesus being faithful in his ministry. We see him being faithful in the fact that he came in the first place. We see him being faithful that as he was here, he still followed through with the Father's plan, even though he knew how painful it was going to be to him. And we see him even now as he stands before the Father being our high priest, and we see that he is faithful. But places that we look, we see in 2 Timothy chapter 2, it says, This saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we'll also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Once again, like God the Father, Jesus' faithfulness is unconditional. The fact that we're faithless, and unfortunately as sinful people, even once we've accepted Christ as our Savior, we will at times be faithless. We will have those moments where we question God. We'll have those moments where we sin. 
we do things that we shouldn't be doing. But you know, the greatest part about this whole thing is that in Christ, when he was that perfect sacrifice on the cross, when he died on that cross, when he rose again and he ascended back into heaven, his faithfulness never wavered. Much like God the Father, Christ never has wavered in his faithfulness to us. And the fact that he is consistent in those things that he has done and he continues to do allows us the opportunity to be able to put our faith, our faith and trust in him because we know that the promise that God made, that he was the one that would take away that sin and restore our relationship is true. And we know that he is going to continue that even to this day. And it's something that should give us great joy and great peace as we live our lives knowing that no matter what we do, no matter how bad we screw up, that Christ is faithful in saving us. He's not going to look down on us and say, yeah, that was a big one. Sorry, stinks to be you. He's not going to do that to us. Once we're held in his hands, we stay held in his hands. And that's the great part about this whole thing is knowing that. And that goes along what we're talking about with Hebrews 13, 8, where it says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will never change. His faithfulness to us is always there no matter what we do, no matter how many times we screw up, no matter how many times we do the exact same thing, screwing up. We can do it a thousand times. I know, unfortunately, I have. But yet... He stays faithful to us, and that is such a comfort, such a wonderful thing to us. And as we think about our lives, we think about Christ, and we think about the fact that he is unwavering, unconditionally faithful to us, we also see that Jesus faithfully serves. Revelation 1.4 calls him the faithful witness, the fact that he was the first one, the, the ruler of kings of the earth. Jesus is faithful even now for us. He is our witness before the Father. He's our high priest. He's the one that goes before the Father and says, don't look at them sinfully. Look at them through my blood. They've accepted me. They've accepted that gift that we gave them. Look at them through me. And this is not just now. When he was on earth, we see Jesus being faithful, faithful servant so many different times throughout his life here on earth. But the one I want to focus in on today to show that is John chapter 13. So if you could just flip over a few pages from 1 Corinthians to John chapter 13. As we come into John chapter 13, we are at a spot where we're at that last Passover meal. Jesus is toward the end of his earthly ministry. He is sitting there with his disciples. He knows that he's about to be betrayed. He knows that the agony of the next several days is going to be upon him. But as he sits there, as the disciples are talking, as, as they're lounging by the table, I want you to picture this. Jesus picks up a basin of water and a towel, takes off his outer garments and girds himself up, and he starts going around the table washing his disciples' feet. We see various ways that the, disciples, that the disciples reacted to this. Obviously, the one we see the most is Peter. And we see Peter saying, you can't wash my feet, Lord. And when Jesus tells him, no, this is what has to be done, then Peter's like, well, then give me a whole bath. And Jesus is like, no, no, settle down. It's okay. 
I know you're, you're zealous, my boy, I know. But all you need is for me to wash your feet right now. And I'm sure that there was shock and there were sideways glances as the disciples are like, he's not the one to wash our feet. If anything, we should be washing his feet. And we watch this all play out and we watch as Jesus goes around the table, takes the towel, puts it in the water and washes his disciples' feet. And when he gets done at the end, we see this starting in verse 12. He says, When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garment, being Jesus, and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sends him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. To Jesus' final moments on earth, his last time that he had his whole group of disciples together, he was faithful to service and he was faithful to teaching. Not only did he serve his disciples by washing their feet that day in that upper room, he also uses an opportunity to teach them to say, you know what? None of you are better than the other. You need to be looking to the Father for how you should live, the things that you should do. Be faithful in your service to not only me and the Father, but to yourselves, to each other. Be those that faithfully serve each and every day, just as I have faithfully served you during this time that I've been ministering with you and to you. Be faithful to each other. Serve each other. Follow, as we would, we'll see, the other fruit of the Spirit that the Spirit gives us. Follow these things. Be faithful in your life each and every day to the things that you have learned from me. When I'm gone, don't forget about them. Faithfully do them. Be consistent. Be those that do what the Father would have you to do. As we look through these different verses, and there are so many more in God's word, we see not only that God the Father is faithful and Jesus are faithful in their own very nature, but we see Jesus being faithful as a servant, as a teacher to the very end of his earthly ministry, and knowing that he continues to faithfully serve us even today as he stands before the Father. So we see these things in God and we go, yeah, but that's God. Of course God is perfect, so therefore he's going to have all of these things in his life. He's going to be eternally faithful because that's who he is. I'm not God. Thankfully, I'm not God because it would be scary to see what I might do if I were. But we look at this and we say, what about us? I'm a sinner that has been saved by grace. How does it look for me to live a life of faithfulness in my own life? As we, as we think about this, the very first thing we need to think about to live a life of faithfulness, just like the other fruit of the Spirit, and if you've been here to listen to any of my other sermons on this, there's the one thing that we have to do first and foremost, and that's accept Christ as our Savior. If you haven't done that, that's starting point number one. 
for us to be able to have the Spirit dwelling within us, for us to be able to have the Spirit cultivating that fruit inside of us, we need to put our faith and trust in the finished work of Christ on the cross. If we haven't done that, that relationship that we have is still severed. And we're still at that spot where in our sinful selves, yeah, we can do some of these things. But the breadth of faithfulness that we can have is not there. So if you have not put your faith and trust in Christ and you have not accepted that free gift of salvation that he's given, that's where you need to start today. That's our first spot, our first goal where we have to be. Now, for those of us that have, for those of us that have accepted Christ, that we've put our faith and trust in him, we know for a fact that our relationship with God has been restored. We know that we're going to be able to be with him for eternity. What does that look like for us? How do we do that? How do we live that life of faithfulness that we know God wants us to live? How are we, can we be characterized when we have someone talk about us that they say, you know what, that is a person of faithfulness. They are a person that faithfully acknowledges their Lord. They're a person that faithfully serves him. How does that look? How, what do we need to do we talked earlier about the faithfulness of God. We said that God is always faithful. He's unchanging. We said that God was faithful to his promises. We say that he sent his son to restore our relationship with him. And those are the things that if we want to live a life that, of faithfulness, we need to remember that the faithfulness we show has to be a representation of God. Those things that we've talked about, that who God is in his very core, in his very nature, those are the things that we need to let the Spirit flow out of our heart. We need to be a channel for those things, including faithfulness, to flow out of us to those that we come in contact with, both people that we know are other believers and people that aren't. As we go about our world, as we live our daily lives, we need to be those that allow the Spirit and remember the, remember the faithfulness that we have as a representation of God. We need to let that flow from us. We need to let our lives be a reflection of who he is. That's what we need to have. We have to consistently let our yeses be yeses and our noes be noes. And we need to be faithful to that. We need to be faithful to God. That's such an easy statement to say, isn't it? One that we've heard probably since we were this tall. For some of us, that's been a little less time than others. But from the time we're little, we hear, you know what? Just be faithful to the Lord. Let him be the one. Show his love. Show his faithfulness to those around us. It's not rocket scientists. Science It's not something hard for us to figure out, right? It's a simple statement. Just be faithful. Why is it so hard then? Why is it one of those things where we have these simple statements. And as I think about the whole idea of our lives in Christ, it is very, very simple, the things that he asks us to do. But yet it's so very, very hard. And the problem is we're the ones a lot of times that make it hard. We're the ones that do that. And we need to live that out. So as we think about the idea of being faithful to God, how are we going to do that? If it's such a simple statement, how do we do it? Well, first, we need to be in his word. We need to be looking in his word for what we should be doing, how we should live our lives, how we 
have our relationship with him to continue to grow, to allow that growth and that development of the fruit of the Spirit. In 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17, it's a, a passage that is very, very familiar to many of us, I'm sure. It says that all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. This little book containing 66 books in it tells us everything we need to know. Amen. Now, if we have a very specific, how do I deal with this very specific problem? You can't go to the index and find that very specific problem. But you know what? How to handle it's in here. Because this gives us the general overarching way that we should be living our lives, which means that it gives us the way that we should handle each and every problem we come along each and every day. And when we stop to think about it, it starts with, being faithful to the Lord, being faithful to God. And as we read this book, as we learn more about him, like any good relationship, we want to learn more. We want to find out more about him, and we want to be like him. Typically, we don't have friends that we hang out with that we don't like, that we don't have commonality with, that we don't want to be like, do we? I know maybe you do. Maybe that's, that's how you live. But for me, I love being around people where I can have conversations, where we can talk, where we can do those different things and have a common bond. And for us, a lot of times, our common bond is in Christ, and that's number one. But as we think about our relationship with God, it's the same thing. As we learn more about him, as we get to know him, we want our lives to be like him. We want to be faithful. We want to be joyful. We want all those different pieces to be who we are and as we do that, as we become more faithful to him, he then calls us to go. He calls us to do. See, here's the thing a lot of times is that we learn so much from this book. And that's starting point. That's number one. We have to do that. But then sometimes after we learn it, we close it up and we just go about our life. We get focused on our job. We get focused on our family, which are not bad things. But we get focused so much into these things, we forget about the Great Commission at the end of Matthew where he says, go, do, make disciples. We are the hands and feet of God here on earth. God didn't need to use us, but he chose to. It's a great honor that we have. And if we're going to be faithful to him, part of being faithful to him is taking the things we learn from this book and putting them into practice. We search out people in our spheres of influence to share Christ with. We find people that need to hear the same good news that we heard that helped us to realize our need for a Savior. We do that. We, we tell people, you've got to know about this thing that I have. You tell me I'm different. Here's why. This is the reason that I'm able to handle have joy in this time of trial. This is why I'm faithful to the things that I do. That's part of this whole idea of going and telling. Also within our own spheres of friends, encouraging, helping to encourage, helping to exhort, helping to do those things that we're told to do within this book. Are we being faithful enough to not just learn this, but to walk out of this building this morning and do what God tells us to do? not only for ourselves, but for others. That's that next step. That's that next piece of being faithful and having the gift of faithfulness growing and 
learning in our lives is that we're doing that. To be faithful, our knowledge has to have action. And that sometimes is where we can get stuck because that can be scary. But we need to be doing as much as we are learning. And I think another thing is that if we're going to be faithful, we need to be stewards of God's gifts to us. You know, we talk about stewardship a lot of times and we talk about money. And that is a piece. God calls us to be stewards of the gifts, of the funds, and of the resources that we have. But it also extends to our spiritual gifts. It extends to our emotions. Our everything that we have is a gift from God. Everything that we have has been given to us. Our gifts, our emotions, our physical abilities, our resources, all of those things have been given to us. And at our youth convention, I had mentioned earlier that Dr. Granados from Covery was speaking to us out of the book of Daniel. And one of the things that I took away because I was working on this sermon over the course of this past week, finalizing it, was God gives us everything. God's also the one that can take it away. And we talked about that as we were going through that passage of Scripture where Nebuchadnezzar had the world by the tail, right? He was the ruler of pretty much the known world at the time. He could look off his palace and just watch his kingdom. And as he went through, there were spots where it looked like he finally got it. And then he would revert back to, look at what I have done. And we see what God did to him. We see when he sent him into the wilderness. We see how he made him eat like the beast in the, and have the feathers and all the different pieces of what God done, did to him as he took his kingdom away from him because he was not faithful <clears throat> to show him that God is the one that's in control. Amen. And as we think about that idea, we, I don't think God's going to take one of us if we're not faithful with our resources and make us do what Nebuchadnezzar did and live in the beast of the field and all of those things. But you know what? He can take it away. And if we're not being good stewards, that is a possibility. But part of our faithfulness is doing that. It's giving him our gifts, giving him our talents, giving him our resources, and offering those up to him as a sacrifice to him. That's what we do. We don't do like in ancient Israel where they gave animal sacrifices for different things. We give of ourselves. We give our gifts. We give our talents. We give our lives to the Lord. And sometimes we look at being faithful in the big things. You know, we, we look at being faithful in, I'm going to share Christ and I'm going to give to the church. And we have these, these specific buckets where we are. My encouragement to each one of us, me included, is that not only are we to be stewards of God's gifts, and faithful with those gifts and the big things, but be faithful always, even in the small things. Amen. As you get up in the morning, as you're having your breakfast, as your kids are dragging their feet, wanting not to go to school, be faithful in those moments. As a teenager, when your parents are yelling at you because you're dragging your feet and don't want to go to school, be faithful in those moments. As we go through each and every day, we have infinite opportunities to be faithful. As we walk along, God gives us chances in the most minute spots to be faithful to him. The question we need to ask ourselves is, are we going to allow the Spirit to cultivate that faithfulness in our lives in those moments? 
you're running late for work and you walk out and the car won't start. Anger, I'm sure, is the first emotion that pops into mind. Frustration, those different things. How are you going to handle that situation? You get to the office and the boss comes in with a pile of paperwork that he doesn't want to do and slaps it on your desk. How are you going to handle the situation? Are you going to be faithful to the Lord in those moments? Or are you going to be faithful to yourself? That's the question that we ask ourselves. Is even in those small day-to-day tasks, when it's most difficult to remain faithful because we think we can handle it on our own, are you being faithful to the Lord in those moments? And last but certainly not least in my list is asking God to develop the fruit of faithfulness in our lives. You know, we talked about at the very beginning we need to be in Scripture, we need to be reading His Word, we need to be learning, we also need to be communing with Him. We need to be talking to the Lord as we go through life. A lot of times we, we look at prayer as a laundry list. Okay, Lord, here are my needs. Can you please take care of them for me? Thanks. I, I've, at different youth retreats and stuff, I, I talk about the fact that sometimes we treat God like a vending machine. We walk up to the thing, we go, let's see. There it is. I have a final today. I didn't study. B3. And we wait for God to take care of the situation that we're in. Our lives, if we're going to be faithful to the Lord, need to be identified through prayer. Each thing that we do, each thing that we say needs to be bathed in prayer. As we wake up in the morning to start a day, the first thing we should be doing is talking to the Lord. And I know sometimes we get busy and we forget. I know, and I get it, and that's fine. But then are you remembering again to do that? Are you, are you as you go through your day, just making your life? And maybe it's not a need. Maybe it's thankfulness. You had to get to work, and the roads were insanely icy because we live in Michigan, and that happens. And you made it safe. Do you praise the Lord in that moment? Just say, thank you for helping me get to the office today. What is it, what is it in those moments where you can just give a quick Thank you, Lord. And I'm not saying be irreverent because he is still the God of the universe. But in that, are we being faithful to communicate with him, to have him be the one that gives us our faithfulness, to have him be the one that cultivates that fruit and allow the Spirit to do that? Are we just saying, Lord, help me today to be faithful to you? I don't know what today's going to bring. I don't know what challenges I'm going to have. I don't know what good things are going to come. But in all of it, please just help me to be faithful to you. Help me to do what you have taught me to do. And if we're, if we're willing to do that, if we're able to do that, that's going to allow the Spirit to grow that fruit within us. And as that fruit matures, as it grows, as he cultivates it, that's what we're going to have flowing out of us to the rest of the world. So as we wrap up this morning... We are reminded that like the other fruit of the Spirit, faithfulness is part of the very character of God. This means for us to live a life of faithfulness, we have to have the Spirit dwelling in us, as we've talked about. If you haven't accepted Christ this morning, I would ask you that you talk to somebody. If you don't really understand what I'm talking about when I say that, talk to a friend. Talk to someone. Maybe you came with someone this morning. Talk to them. Ask them what in the world I'm talking about. What does this mean? Or maybe you have understand it. 
just haven't done it yet, you haven't taken that step, I would encourage you to take that step this morning. For those of us that have put our faith in Christ, are you allowing the fruit of faithfulness to grow in your life? Are you living a life that would be characterized by those around you as faithful, as having faithfulness? For us, living a life of faithfulness means that we're being fruitful, faithful to God, and also being faithful stewards of the gifts that he's given to us. Not just learning, not just understanding, but doing as we do that. And if we're willing to allow the Spirit to do that in our lives, if we're willing to make each and everything that we do faithfully given back to the Lord, we're going to continue to grow more like him. We're going to continue to build that relationship with him. And as we do that, hopefully it becomes more easy for us in our day-to-day lives to share, to live a life that the Lord would ask us to do, allowing that fruit to cultivate, allowing us to be able to more easily share Christ with those around us, to more easily exhort and encourage those that we come in contact with, to be able to do all of those things that the Lord calls us to do. Wait, ask, don't wait till, don't wait to let the Spirit cultivate faithfulness in your life. If it's been a struggle for you, I would ask you to humble yourself even today before the Lord and say, Lord, I know. I've not had that faithfulness in my life that I should have. And allow him from here to be the one that cultivates that and allows you to flow that out of your life and let faithfulness define you each and every day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do just thank you for who you are. We thank you for the fact that you are a faithful, loving God. One that as we look at you, we look at your son and his example here on earth that we know that you never change, that you're always faithful. And even now, Lord, as we come into this time of communion, Lord, we understand that the faithfulness of you to send your son and the faithfulness of him to give his life for us so that we could be reunited with you in that relationship, that we could know for sure that we are going to be with you for eternity. Thank you so much for that. And just allow us, Lord, as we go through our lives each and every day, to have a life that truly, Lord, is characterized by the faithfulness that you have for us. Thank you now for the time that we have had, and we do just pray now for this time as we come around uh, the Lord's table, Lord, that we would just be able to examine ourselves and that it would be a time where we can thank you and your son for the gift that you've given to us. In Shara's name we pray.